unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Okay, we are about ready to get started, but as we do, and oh, this is the first time I actually made a request and people did it. That's awesome. Uh, that's y'all going to spoil me. I want to read something to you that I got just a moment ago before uh, we get officially started, so I can set my timer. But uh, Dee sent me this and said I might want to read this. Uh, this is about Don Green. Uh, wait a minute. Make sure I got that right. Yeah. This is an update uh, from his daughter, I assume, uh, on my dad. Uh, he is scheduled to have surgery on his spine Thursday to repair the area where the tumors have broken his vertebrae. They were originally going up there Tuesday, but mom noticed the skin around his pick line was red and called the hospital. Mom was instructed to take him back to Vandy. He also has shingles. He is feeling very defeated along with the rest of us. Uh, we are uh, humbled by the support, love, and prayers offered up on his behalf. Please continue to pray for him and mom as well. Uh, so Brother Don is having a, a very difficult time. So please, and we'll remember him in our prayers here in just a moment. But... Um, as we get started tonight, if um, I appreciate you being a part of class. I know that uh, uh, there are not as many of us as we might like, but there's a class going on outside, and I know that there are people uh, watching online. Um, in fact, um, uh, I've had a couple of comments and one, you know, suggestions. So. Uh, somebody said, "If you're going to have, don't have people read the scriptures because they can't hear them. Uh, so you read them." I said, "Okay, you can do that. Uh, that's no problem." And then I got another comment that I didn't think about. Remember last week when I was being very vocal? I didn't say anything bad, but I didn't think about. Uh, I was talking about my mama, uh, and I was talking to her last week, and I said, "Oh, uh, mama, I." Uh, I mentioned you in my Bible class lesson. She said, yeah, I know, I was watching. So that made me realize that I need to be very careful, <laughs> you know, that I don't need to tell maybe everything that I could tell uh, because I will get in trouble. Thank you for being a part of class. Hope you'll turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. And we are in our third lesson. But before we begin... I want us to start with a word of prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Gracious God, we are mindful and thankful for the opportunity to open your truth and study it. We are thankful for your wisdom and your willingness to share that wisdom with us. As students tonight, I pray that you'll be with us as we look into your truth, as we study the unique relationship that you have with us through your truth and that we have with you through your truth. Father, I pray that you will be with Brother Don Green and his wife and those of the Snowdown congregation during this challenging time and especially be with the doctors and nurses who are caring for him as he struggles with uh, the, the things that are afflicting him at this time. Thank you, Father, for your son Jesus and his son, 
In his name we do humbly pray. Amen. So tonight, as we open um, our lesson, we are in um, the third section, verses 17 through 24. So I want us to start there and just think about it. So if you'll open your Bible to Psalm 119, our text will be verses 17 through 24. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules all the time. You're, you rebuke the insolent, accused, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your prayer or on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight; they are my counselors. As I read that particular uh, section of Psalm 119, of course, it was a, a, a poem, a, a song originally, but I, I hear some pleading in that. I hear, uh, to me, the idea of some prayers that are involved in that. Um, of course, remember that in, when we're reading Psalm 119, and the purpose of this is not to appreciate its poetic beauty and not just realize that it continues to talk about the Word of God, but I want us to study it because it continues to talk about the Word of God. The Word of God is considered in every possible aspect that we could think about in Psalm 119. And in this particular passage, of course, this is the third section, that's the third uh, letter in the Hebrew alphabet. My prayers to God involve His truth. Now, before we get into that, let's think for just a minute about prayer. Would you agree that, uh, well, let me make a statement. Prayer is important in the life of a child of God. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, I've just recently uh, was taking a, a graduate course in educational psychology. And if you want to find, if you want a fun way to spend some spare time, you should take advanced educational psychology. The reading, it'll be the best sleep you've ever had. No, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's inter some of it is quite interesting, and some of it, uh, we were talking, or I was uh, reading about how some of the information is gathered, and on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most important it could possibly be, and 1 being mildly important, shouldn't forget it, mildly important, 10 being super important, where would you say prayer would fall in the life of a child of God? A 10, absolutely. Uh, or even above a 10, absolutely. It's important, and we know that. Verses like Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, and I want us to kind of lay that foundation because we're going to look at this series of texts in Psalm 119 from the aspect of a prayer. So in Philippians chapter 4, look at verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The idea there, uh, it's always interesting in that verse, and we won't take a lot of time uh, for we don't have it to take, but in everything, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. That's two separate things. The word and makes it clear. Those are two separate things. The idea of supplication is how I come to God. But my attitude and my spirit when I approach God in prayer, maybe we don't study that enough. But by prayer, prayer is important. Let your request, thank God. Let your request be made known to God as you come before Him with the right spirit, and His peace will keep your heart and your mind. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, we often call those sentence sermons pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean that every breathing moment of your day should have a, 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 a there is a prayer, but you are a praying person. You're in a prayerful state of mind on a regular basis, meaning that you communicate with God. You approach Him with that 
spirit of supplication, with that understanding of servanthood or servitude, and with that understanding that I am your child and you are my father and therefore I am coming to you in prayer, I do that on a regular basis. Now, in 1 John chapter 5, and I want us to read that one too. That one I don't have committed to memory. I need to have it committed to memory. But in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, I'm going to read that and then move on into Psalm. But in 1 John 5, look at verses 14 and 15. Now listen to this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. Do you and I have confidence toward God? John says we should. And, if, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Sometimes that... Uh, and we do not have time to go into great detail here and, and go down a road of discussion, so we're not going to. But I do want you to think about this. One of the problems, one of the classes that I'm teaching right now is called ACT Prep uh, in learning how to think the way you're asked on the ACT. And believe it or not, that's a, that's a thing. Um, and the ACT is important for students and scholarships and all of that. And I say that only is that you know what one of the problems that many, many, many of the high school students that, that I see, that, that many of you know, who take the ACT, you know what their problem is? On many questions? Would you agree with this sentence that, uh, that they, they miss questions that they actually know the answer to? Oh, every time. They overthink it. Have you ever been guilty of overthinking things? Sometimes we are. And, and here, I'm afraid, at least from my own perspective, that I read that verse and I try to overthink it. Well, there's... Yes, but notice he said that if we ask according to his will, if we have supplicated ourselves as children, as servants, and we have submitted to his will, and our faith leads us to the throne of God, I know he's going to answer it, and I'm, I'm good with the answer. I'm good with the request I've made because I know, number one, he hears it, and number two, he's going to address it. And number three, that whatever he does will be for my good in accordance to his will. Now, I think sometimes when we try to think about prayer that I find that it isn't my understanding of God that needs to be adjusted. It's my understanding of me that needs to be adjusted in connection to God's will. And one more verse before we look at Psalm 119, and I hope you'll see why I'm doing it this way. But in 1 Peter 3, 7, there is a phrase there. It talks about the relationship between a husband and a wife. And it talks in verse 7 specifically about the husband's attitude toward his wife. But he says all of these things need to be as they should be so that your prayers are not hindered. Now, you understand that if the Holy Spirit through Peter makes a statement that you need to be this way so that your prayers are not hindered, then that automatically means that you and I can be of a frame of mind or a condition of heart where our prayers are hindered. And so, with that in mind, that's important. Peter said, you want to make sure that this relationship is right because your prayers can be hindered and that doesn't need to happen because your prayers are that important. Now, that was probably a whole sermon. <laughs> in about two minutes because I want you to look at Psalm 119 verses 17 through 24 and I hope that you will see this in the form of a prayer that David and now you and I are approaching God with a prayerful attitude as we think about his truth so uh, number one bless me father so I can live the truth do you and I pray to God in that way and we ask for God's blessings so that we can live for Him? Now, think about that in that verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Now, if you were to uh, take your pencil and draw a bracket in front of that and after word, 
That is a, a, a clause of condition that means this is why you're asking for the first one. I'm asking, Father, for you to deal bountifully with me. And that word bountifully simply has the idea of giving me what I need, giving me the things that help me to continue living and continue doing what it is your servant should do, what your child should do, so that I may live as your child. But I'm praying that. Why? I'm praying for God's blessings, not so that I can be thankful for them, but I better be. And I'm not praying for God's blessings so that I can, can and don't take this as an insult, I don't mean it that way, just so I can be uh, uh, fat and, and satisfied and at peace. Maybe sometimes we forget why we're being blessed. I think I've, sorry, I think I've done that and I've tried to include in my prayers of late to help me remember that the reason why you've blessed me. Let's go to Ephesians. Turn with me and I hope you've got your ribbon there uh, in Psalm, but we'll go to Ephesians 1 and verse 3. I want to ask you a question, and I hope you'll answer. And what I think I'll do is I'll just repeat your comment so that those who may be watching can benefit from it as well. But Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3. I don't know about you, but I I'm still learning the depth of this passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, what are those spiritual blessings? What are those spiritual blessings with which God has blessed us in Christ? One of those is prayer. That it's a, a blessing. Not an obligation. I started to say not a command. It is a command. But it is not a command to be obeyed because it is a command. It is a command because of its blessing. Okay, what's another spiritual blessing? Say that again. Forgiveness, absolutely. Salvation. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, you, it is okay for you to disagree with me. Say, well, you know, I've never thought about that. That's okay. But have you ever considered that the car you drive is a spiritual blessing? Now, let me go, let me finish. That's a physical blessing. Oh, it is. And that the job that you have and the abilities that you have naturally are spiritual blessings? Consider that they are in this in this light, that he said, deal bountifully with me with your servant so that I can live and keep your word. God gives us, and I, what I think I'm trying to say is that I have learned in my own personal life that God hasn't given me, uh, I love where I'm getting to live right now. Um, I'll be honest, 13 years ago, I thought I could not wait to get out of uh, Podunk, Mississippi, and move to the mountains. And nine years of tourism was all I could take. And I told Lisa not long ago, thank you for letting me come home. Uh, but I had to figure some of that stuff out as I went along. But my point is, is that I love where I live right now. And it's dawned on me that God hasn't put me in that house just because he likes me and he's decided that I've done well and so he has rewarded me with that house. He said, well, it is a blessing. Yes, it's a blessing. But God has given me what he has given me so that I will in turn do his will and live it, to live it every day so that when I am out using the things that he allows me to have and use that I do it as a servant of God. That the world sees me. Um, Jeremy, do you mind if I use you as a... Brant, how about you? Can I use you as a, an example? Uh, Brant, are there any dishonest journalists out there? 
I take his response as that would be a yes. Okay. Are there any dishonest accountants out there? Sure. Now, do, uh, and I'll be honest, uh, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, I guess, and I guess I am uh, advertising for your, your, your company, so you, you'll have to pay me something, I guess. Uh, just kidding. But before I, before I had Jeremy in my classroom, well, that's been a while, in my classroom, when I got, it got time for me to do my taxes, I had parents, my parents and my grandparents told me to come to Boonville and told me to go see one of those Jones fellas because they'll get you lots of money back. That wasn't the first thing they said. They're honest. They, they, they treat you right, etc. Okay, now, as you try to do that, are you not living and keeping the Word of God through the blessings He's given you? Are, and Brant's the same way. And all of us are the same way. So, bless me, Father. Deal bountifully so that I can keep your word and live it. To me, that's a, a powerful prayer on my part and an understanding about my blessings. And I think this one is even more powerful. Number two, verse 18. Guide me, Father, so that I can understand your truth. Guide me, Father, so that I can understand your truth. What does verse 18 say? Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Now that's a, that's a request. David is praying that or he is saying that to God. Father, open my eyes. And you know, we could easily say, I have learned as a, a school teacher that I used to think that when the student said, I read it, but I, I just don't get it. You didn't read the instructions. I did read the instructions. And our first response is to say, look, you can't be that dumb because it says what it says. First of all, I should never, never think that or say that. But I have discovered over the years that there are students who will say, I didn't hear you say that, and they tell them the truth, and they were standing two feet from me. And there were students who were saying, I don't understand. Those are, it's just six words. But I realized for whatever reason, there was not a connection until other things had to be put into place, and then there was a connection. That takes time. That takes patience. That takes... Okay, now, why would David pray... Why would David say, why would you and I pray, open my eyes? Because everything doesn't come to us first time, does it? Absolutely not. One of my favorite verses in the scripture is 2 Timothy 2.15, and you know it from the King James when it says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Now again, that would have been a verse my mother would have used to say, do your Bible school lesson, do your Sunday school lesson. And that was not a wrong application. But that word study there really doesn't mean do your homework. It means a whole lot more than that. It means be diligent about figuring out exactly what it, what's involved in being a servant and a child of God. And you rightly divide the word of truth in doing that. And, and that takes some effort. This word open is an interesting Hebrew word. And I'm almost hesitant to, to tell you the definition because it was used you know a lot of words just like in the English language are used in different contexts and this Hebrew word was often used uh, in the context of when uh, someone was captured and carried into slavery and they were stripped of their clothing to, to uh, humiliate them and bring them under submission uh, I know that's what's that got to do with this you'll see the word open means to make naked to cast away a garment, to reveal a secret, to unfold a book. So layer after layer is taken, taken back, peeled back, if you will, like, almost like an onion. But open my eyes. Lord, help me see those wondrous things. Understand that this is a prayer for Father. Every time I go back to the Word, every time I go back to your truth, help me see it a little better. Help me see it a little better. One of my favorite sermons is from Luke chapter 13 
about the parable of the fig tree. And this morning, and by the way, if you're ever sitting near me and you see me on my phone, I'm not texting and I'm not doing Facebook. Um, but sometimes I do look up some Greek words uh, on this handy little uh, app that I've got because, um, and he said something that I, to be honest, I checked because I said, he can't be right. I never thought. I have preached that parable many times and dug into it and learned some more every time. But I did not ever thought, Jeremy, I'd never thought about the fact that that's a fig tree planted in a vineyard. Never crossed my mind. Can't tell you how many times I've read that verse, quoted that verse, uh, dug into the Greek all around that, and that never crossed my mind. And I did something, and someday, I hope the Lord will give me a chance to kind of apologize to the fella. But I preached somewhere one time when I was preaching on the, uh, in the book of Acts, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And I was talking about the church. And the point I was making, and it's not a bad point, but the point I was making there is that um, the people around those people in Antioch saw Christ in them and called them Christians except that's really not what that passage is talking about. The word called there in the Greek has the idea of a royal calling, an official proclamation. So it was God who called them. And the fellow who, who, who called me out on that later actually spoke up and said that, and I just kind of ignored him because I was too dumb to know the difference. But I know that now. Every time I study, I learn a little more. And I think, I think I know that that happens because we pray, Father, open our eyes every time that, that I can behold wondrous things. That word wondrous, what does it mean to you? In the Hebrew, it means literally basically the same thing it does in the English. What does it mean to you? Wondrous. Powerful? Powerful. Okay. Good. Um, something that is beyond my... Powerful is a good way to put that. Something powerful, something more than you thought it could be, something that is beyond your... Um, um, it didn't come from me. It didn't generate with man. It, it is more powerful and more helpful and deeper than I thought it would ever be. And that's what he's talking about. The word behold, by the way, is in the Hebrew, it means to look at intently. And it has the impression of looking at something so you can see it. Looking at something so you can see what's there. Have you ever noticed, have you ever asked somebody to read something or to look at something and you kind of got frustrated with them because you knew good and well they wouldn't read it? Come on, raise your hand if that's true. Nobody? I don't believe it. There's one or two, uh, and you ask them, did you read that? And you know they didn't because of the things they said. Um, it's interesting to me uh, when I have students write things about things they were supposed to read, and they write these fanciful things about these, you know, grandiose, and I say, I don't know what you read, but that's not what we read. Some of you ever been there before? Uh, and, but that's that I may behold, open my eyes so that I can see all that there is to see in the depths of your word because I want to. I want to see that. What was it Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16? He told him to meditate on these things. And I still don't think, I don't think you and I appreciate the word meditate because meditation and meditate has gotten kind of a, 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 its own strange definition in the English language. Not meditate as to just sit there and think empty thoughts. In fact, it's right the opposite. What does meditate really mean as far as meditating on Scripture? To fill up. To understand. To, to fill up your mind with the truth and to understand it, how many different times? Anybody in here like to read fiction, first of all? 
let's just step outside. Fiction, just, okay, good. Uh, now, how many of you have a favorite genre or, or author or book? Okay. Now, raise your hand if you have read the same book more than one time. Why would you do that? One of my favorite books, one of the very first books that, um, and of course I can't think of his name now, um, that um, is called The Hunt for Red October. It is a uh, Tom Clancy, one of his first. Um, I've read, I, I don't know how many times I've read that book. Um, I just enjoy reading that book. It's, and each time you read something, you say, oh, I didn't catch that that time. That's not what I thought. It is doubly, triply true when it comes to the Word of God. Why would David say, Lord, open my eyes? I can read it for myself. No, 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 no. Open my heart so that I can see the wondrous things that are there. That's a prayer I hope we will pray on a regular basis. But then number three, verses 19 through 21, remind me, Father, so that your truth will separate me from the world. Do we need to be reminded that we are different from the world? Oh, absolutely. Remind me. Notice what he says here in verses 19 through 21. I am a sojourner on the earth. The King James, I think, says stranger. That's an older English word that we have kind of given a different meaning. It simply means like pilgrim, sojourner, uh, someone who is, I, I love the definition in the Hebrew, it means a temporary inhabitant, but the, the, what I wrote down is what I really love, a person living out of his or her own country. When it comes to this life, we can't put down roots. We can't act like we live here because we just stay in here. Have you not? Have you not read? Did you not know? In fact, he's even even on, on situations uh, when uh, even when he rebuked a couple of people uh, on one occasion, uh, he complimented them because you said you have read rightly. Now you didn't go far enough, but you got some of it. Uh, have you not read? Don't you understand? And one of the things, speaking of that, Brother Jim, in Philippians 3, 17 through 21, what does that passage say about you and me? Now I realize perhaps one of the most challenging things about being a child of God, and I'm probably going to make a statement in just a minute that some of you are going to disagree with, and that's okay as long as you promise not to hurt me. Philippians 3 Verse 17 through 21. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Same folks about whom Paul was speaking here, David's talking about in this psalm. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame, uh, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a way to Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Now, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Father, I understand that I am just passing through here. I'm not putting down roots, and I am surrounded by people who are insolent. That word means arrogant, prideful in their own... Uh, thoughts in their own will in their own direction the accursed ones accursed because they have rejected God who wander that word wander literally means to wander from away 
to wander out of a path, to wander off from where you should be. Uh, and, and so I know I live among those people, but I'm just passing through here. Hide not your commandments from me. Now that phrase doesn't mean God, please don't hide, as though God would deliberately hide. No. Make sure that I see, Father. Make sure that I have all that I can have from your word so as I'm passing through, I remember I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Now, I'm about to make a statement, and you don't have to agree with this, I promise. It's each personal choice. Now, I went just recently, waited to the last day and the last hour, um, to, to get my voter's card because I'm going to vote because I think I should. Now, I don't intend to ever tell anybody who I vote for, you know, but I'm going to vote. All right, now. I've had friends, family members, co-workers get, get just kind of taken aback with me because they really want me to talk about, you know, the, the uh, um, conspiracy behind the, uh, yeah. And they want to talk about the, and, and I make this statement, I really don't care. What kind of an American are you anyway? Well, I'm an American by citizenship for a while, but I belong to God. And my point is, you mean you're not going to vote? I didn't say that. You mean you don't have a concern about the what's... No, I didn't say that either. I'm saying that my waking hours will not be spent uh, in uh, stressing over what may or may not be the case about something that may or may not have been true to begin with uh, because in the end, I will pray my prayer and vote my part and God will take care of the rest of it. Just like he said he would. The scripture says God is involved in the affairs of men. I believe that. Don't you believe that? And I have faith in my Father and I'm going to pray to him not to make everything the way I think it should be politically and socially. Now, sometimes I, I, I pray, Father, why has there not been a quicker end or a quicker overturn of Roe versus Wade? Why has there not been? And then I think of Deuteronomy 29, 29. That in principle says the secret things belong to God and the things that belong to man belong to him. God has given me what I need. And he expects me to do with what he's given me. So I, I pray, Father, give me the commandments that I need as I remember I'm just passing through here. I don't live here. Now, before we move, if we have time, my soul is consumed with a longing for your rules. Father, don't hide them, but here's why. I need them. That word consumed, how would you define the English word consumed? I should have asked you, Jim, that, to look up that word consumed in that dictionary ahead of time, and I forgot. Uh, but that's okay. Um, what's, tell me what consumed means. You know, y'all make me look bad when I ask questions and the people at home say, is he in a room by himself? Yes, but we, when we think of the word consumed, we think of just maybe destroyed. Or, and what's interesting, you're right in the application, Jeremy, uh, all you can think about, which is what that word means, or what that phrase means. But did you know that Hebrew word, uh, consumed, has the idea of, the, the word consumed means broken into pieces. But it's the word longing is what Jeremy was talking about. And those two go together. Now, I am... You found it? What's it say? If you think about that and you're thinking, wait a minute, how can that have anything to do with, with what we're talking about here? Because the only thing I've heard that made sense is what Jeremy said. It means broken into pieces, crushed in the Hebrew. Now, put them together. 
that longing or desire, I am completely absorbed. I am to the point of being harmed if I don't get the Word of God. I am eaten up from head to toe. I am completely crushed with that longing. In other words, if I don't fulfill it, if I don't uh, satisfy it. Now, please understand what he's talking about there. It's the same word, except a different language, the same meaning in Matthew 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who blank and blank after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What's the first blank? Hunger and thirst. Now, folks, what's interesting in that in those two language in, in those two words, excuse me, righteousness, let me jump ahead just a, a minute. Where's the righteousness of God found? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith. The righteousness of God is found in the truth. And so he said, hunger and thirst. Did you know in that Greek, the, the, uh, in Matthew 5, that word hunger and thirst has the idea of a hunger and thirst that's to the point of a craving, to the point of not, not our hunger and thirst. We sometimes hunger and thirst because we think about our, our favorite, we think about something we like and we want it. Or our stomach maybe rumbles a little bit. So we decide to get something to eat. Well, we're talking about a craving that if it is not satisfied, it will be to my harm. It will be to my detriment. I crave it. If somebody craves something, well, define craving for me. What's a craving? Ooh, intense desire. Is that what I heard both people say? Intense desire. Oh, I was saying, wait a minute. You're not sitting next to her. Where is he? Oh, there he is. An intense desire. Okay, I want it so badly that I cannot stop thinking about it. I need it so badly that I am going to do whatever it takes to get it. Now, we usually think about that in some negative way but it is the exact way we are told to feel about the righteousness of God. And David said, I am consumed. My soul is absolutely eaten up with an overwhelming desire to know your truth. Now, I don't want to be like these insolent, these arrogant, these people who reject it. And then number four. Verses 22 through 24. Focus me, Father, so that I don't forget what's important. Do we sometimes, as human beings, forget what is important? Or can we forget what is important? Sure, absolutely. No, sir? Oh, it is. It's, it's causing a lot of that forgetting what's important, and maybe it's causing some of us to remember some things that were important. Um, but notice what he said, Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight, they are my counselors. Notice the role of the Word of God here. Now here is, you may disagree with me on an a interpretation of this passage, but the more I look at it and I see this context, David says, Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies, even though princes sit plotting against me. That word scorn, that word contempt, they simply mean disgrace and disrespect. Shame and disrespect. Now, I can see David saying, Father, take away the shame and the disrespect that these plotting princes have placed on me, but I'm not so sure that that's all that's there. Because notice what he said. I, I'm not sure that David is simply saying, make these bad people go away. Make them stop disgracing me or disrespecting me. Because he said, the reason why I think that is because he said your servant will meditate. Even though they sit, I'm going to meditate on your statutes. Even though they plot... Uh, I know your testimonies are true and they will counsel me. 
So I wonder, David says, take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimony. Now, Jim mentioned COVID-19 just a minute ago. How many of you have been absolutely, in some situations since March, in at least one situation, you've been absolutely inconvenienced and put out? Well, that's one, two, three. How about everybody? Okay. Now, have any of you, you don't have to raise your hand this time, have found yourself being downright angry about some things every once in a while and again? Absolutely. But I want you to think about this just for a second. He said, take away scorn and contempt. I keep your testimonies. There are things going on in the world around me that could easily cause me to have contempt for other people and scorn other people and be ugly to and about other people. There are things that are happening that shouldn't be happening and I could just be downright angry about it. Father, take those things away from me. Why? Because I keep your testimonies. I let your testimonies be my counselor. I think of Matthew 5. And I'm going to be honest, folks. I, I don't know that we have truly studied, and I guess it's good that we're coming down to the end here because I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm going to say I'm talking to me, okay? I'm talking to me. I'm not talking to anybody else. But when you read Matthew 5, 38, 39, and 40, we sometimes get in that verse and we want to talk about, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't, you can't tell me that I can't protect myself. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it's like the subject, like the conversation I had with some teenage boys at school that said, my daddy said that if somebody hit me, I'm supposed to hit him back. So he asked defending myself. And I said, wait a minute. Defending yourself is when you do everything you can to keep from getting hurt and get away from somebody trying to hurt you. Somebody threatens you and that gives you the excuse to beat them to death. That is not defending yourself. But in that passage, it said if you smite on one cheek, turn the other. Someone takes your cloak, give him the tunic also. Whew. That passage is talking about how we act when people don't treat us right. How we respond spiritually to those who are mistreating us in the world. And, and I fear sometimes we don't spend enough... I hear you. I fear that we don't spend enough time thinking about exactly how that applies to me. How that applies to me. Uh, and I did it. I did it yesterday. I, I, well, in, up here I did it. And I had to I, stop yourself. You know better than that. Because I was in a shoe store and a, uh, a woman, uh, uh, and it was an older lady, and I mean no disrespect, but she was heavier set, and she was in a, a, a wheelchair, and she pulled her mask off. She could breathe. And my first thought was, how dare you? I'm like, oh, get over it. You know, I wanted to get all upset because she wasn't following the protocol. And I'm thinking, no, you didn't just think that thought. I did think that thought. Why? Because if I'm not careful, I get all inundated with all of these things going on around me. David said, folks, there are princes plotting to take me down. But Father, take that scorn away from me. Take that, take that uh, hatred, that, that contempt, take it away from me and let your testimonies be my counselors. Thank you very much for listening tonight. I hope you have a great night. Uh, oh, uh, children, uh, uh, parents, go get your children, please. Forgot. If you have not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, there should be somebody back there. I didn't see. Uh, but if there's not, wave your hand and we'll take care of it.